everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. You're here today with Kara Williard, and you can check out the wide range of stuff we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, today we are here to talk all about Kesley Ski Boots. For those who don't know, Kesley came into the ski boot game hot this 22-23 season with a limited release of two series of boots. And for those who haven't considered it, jumping into the ski boot market is a really difficult feat. So for today's episode, I talk with Alessandro Speranzoni, their product engineer and technical product manager who is based in Italy, as well as Alex Pritzlaff, their US-based product manager, to discuss what the origin of Kesley's boot project looked like and how it aligns to who Kesley is as a ski brand. We talk all about the prototyping and design process, as well as the evolution of this ski boot lineup for the upcoming season and things that we can look forward to next from Kesley. So stay tuned for a ton of details on Kesley ski boots, including new models dropping for this upcoming season. Now, speaking of this upcoming season, I am here to remind you that the pre-order on our 23-24 Winter Buyer's Guide is live. We are hard at work putting this guide together, and it's very exciting to be featuring over 300 skis, over 70 ski boots, a lot of snowboards and splitboards, apparel, accessories, and more. But I am also very excited to announce that our women's ski sections are bigger than ever. So we will include a link in the show notes of this episode where you can go to get your copy, but here's something to consider. If you sign up today to become a Blister member, or even better, a Blister Plus member, you not only get a print and digital copy of the guide, you unlock a ton of other awesome benefits. These include discounted registration to our upcoming Blister Summit this February 4th through 8th here in Mount Crested Butte, Colorado. You also get our personalized gear recommendations where we will work with you to ensure you are not purchasing the wrong gear and answer any questions you have when it comes to running shoes, mountain bikes, skis, ski boots, and more. You'll also unlock tons of discounts on awesome gear from brands and some of our Blister recommended shops. And with our Blister Plus membership, you also secure some very comprehensive accident insurance which, if you stay tuned at the end of this episode, you get to hear my latest crashes and close calls story, where once again, I was reminded how thankful I am to have this outdoor injury-related accident insurance. So become a Blister member or a Blister Plus member, get the very best and most trustworthy winter buyer's guide in the world, plus a ton of other awesome benefits. And with that, let's get right into my conversation with two experts on Kesley's new ski boot lineup. All right, well, let's get into it. I am here today with Alessandro and Alex from Kesley, and we're here to talk all about Kesley's new ski boot lineup. But before we get into that, I would like to hear a bit more um, about each of your individual roles within the brand. And then from there, we'll just talk a bit more about Kesley as a ski brand first, and then we can get into ski boots from there. So Alessandro, let's uh, hear a bit more about what you do and maybe where you're based. Okay. Uh, So I am Alessandro. I'm based in Italy and I'm a product engineer for Kessler since three years ago or less. Um, I started working at Kessler when 
they started making ski boots. It was a nice, uh, strange story because they started with the ski boots challenge. We can call it challenge back in 2020, uh, just before COVID came. Uh, being an Austrian company, they realized pretty early, pretty soon, that it was not possible for them to manage everything from Austria. So they had to find someone here in Italy to help them with this, uh, with everything going on here. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, uh, I got contacted by Kessler. At that time, I was uh, finishing my, my studies as materials engineer. And for some reason, I got contacted by them and we started a really good collaboration until now. And uh, at the beginning, I started as a product manager. And then since I'm an engineer and I'm also, I can say, quite connected to racing and uh, skiing itself, um, I took the way to R&D production and um, technical stuff. and. Nowadays, I'm doing a bit of everything, and uh, that's it. Yeah, excellent. And uh, yeah, that sounds like very interesting timing as far as starting what you're calling the Ski Boot Challenge, so we can get into that a bit more. Um, but before we do, we'll hear from Alex, because he's here uh, on the national level in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So um, Alex Pritzloff here, and I've been at Kessley since 2017, um, kind of starting everything up from kind of stateside customer service level to logistics to some sales as well as product now as well. Um, so it's been good to have kind of the journey to see all the ins and outs of Kessley and especially now working with Alessandro um, and the rest of the kind of product team in Europe, which is still the main the main product team, um, which is great. And it's still an Austrian-based, um, you know, team as well, which has been great because, you know, when we get to go visit, as the, as the U.S. guys, you know, Austria is not a bad spot. So we definitely enjoy that. Um, and with the ski boot, it's been definitely an absolutely exciting project and um, experience. Uh, obviously, with COVID happening, as everyone's going to talk about, presents its own challenges. Um, but Alessandro has been great with that and, you know, navigated to create this product that we uh, really love right now. Nice. Well, I definitely want to get all into the ski boot lineup and sort of the origin and genesis of that project. But to kind of set the foundation, let's just talk about Kessley as a brand. I mean, it's definitely a heritage brand. It's been around for a long time. um, So there's some deep roots there. So what are some of the things that maybe you want to kind of set the stage with as far as who Kessley is and what that meant looking into a ski boot project? So I can start um, making a really long story short. Everyone of us knows about Kessle, uh, what Kessle was in the past. Um, in 2018, a new ownership took over Kessle. Um, or back in 1993, it was bought by, by Benetton together with Nordica. And then a lot of things happened. And uh, in 2018, as I said, a new ownership came and took over everything. Uh, and since that period on, they decided to um, take the brand where it was in the past. So winning races in World Cup and being a, a reference for everyone. And um, in 2018, they uh, wanted to recreate or restart a racing pro- uh, program. 
And both with skis, or initially with skis, and in the summer of 2019, they um, had stuck a deal with an Austrian racer. But the Federation, uh, just before the racing season kickoff, uh, banned this athlete, and she could not race at the beginning of the season due to this situation because she had a contract with Kessler for the skis, but she had no contract for boots. Since that time on, they, they decided to take this challenge. And on the other side, it was well known that people, at least in Europe, they like to buy a package of skis and boots. Therefore, it was quite natural to um, take this challenge and to invest money in this. And yeah, and it was, it was, as I said, it was the winter or spring 2020, just before COVID came. And they started the development, development process with an Italian agency, design agency, just before everything was closed here due to COVID. And as I said, then everything started and I started working at Kessler in September. So during that summer, they took all the initial stages of development. So taking some information here and there. And this agency in, in Italy was in charge to create a group of experts um, able to put their experience in each size of the development and to create a really good, really good product. And that was the start of the, the Kessler Boots. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, especially to focus on the racing side and really want to invest in that, you kind of have to mirror that with the ski boot side. So I can see how that would sort of lead to that discussion and be the the foundation for why you're doing the project. Yeah, and then everything started in we used all the winter 20, 2020, 2021 to develop uh, our boots. We started with our first molds in Summer 2020, as I said, uh, first boot went on snow in September 2020. Um, then we used all the winter to study, analyze, skiing and everything. Uh, the whole season with boots coming out of the molds in different colors, different materials, different shapes and everything. And a uh, funny story is that in a lot of rumors were, were starting here in Europe, but nothing was confirmed confirmed until the end of the season and the funny situation is because at the end of the season here in Italy, uh, especially in April, May, a lot of people used to go to Livigno, maybe you know this place uh, it's quite quite famous uh, and on that period we decided to go there with our first Kessler Mind boot and since that time on, was the secret was not anymore mm -hmm. secret so, and yeah, the project was confirmed and uh, in um, so it was May 2021 in, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, in October 2021, uh, we had the first uh, international sales meeting where we presented boots. And thanks God, three days later in Solden, so the first races, World Cup uh, races of the season, we had a really good results with an English athlete. Um, she was 13th in the first GS race of the season. So really good for us. Nice. And um, before we kind of get more detailed into the boot process, especially some of the prototyping and design that went into it, um, Alex, is there anything else you want to mention as far as kind of how Kessley's heritage and identity was transferred into this new project? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, as, as Alessandro was kind of stating there, uh, you know, Kessley is more of a product brand first and we're definitely concerned about quality. So it's pretty incredible from, as you said, getting this first boots in spring of 21 and here we are fall of 23 and we're full lineup with, you know, low volumes coming soon and, and having this and being our own molds and our own boots and some of our proprietary, you know, blends of plastics ourselves it's it's been great to see that kind of process and be more product focused again um which is which is what we are as a brand number one um so we do have the heritage we do most importantly a lot of people especially uh have to admit more of my parents friends i think than than our you know our peers um remember kessie as a race brand and that's that was huge especially during the benetton days um you know plenty of world championships everything like that so I think there was always that heritage that they wanted to refer back to. And now we have that opportunity with some of the races we signed. Um, and if you look, some of the races that we've signed, I mean, they're, they are world champions. Um, and, you know, Alessandra mentioned Alex Tilly there. I mean, I believe she was either, she either won the second run of that Solden one or she had, I mean, something where it was, it was incredibly impressive, especially conditions of that race. So it's one where it's nice to blend a product with our athletes again and, and get kind of get this project going um, based on the Kessley quality and, and kind of product, you know, nerdery and expertise going that way. So um, what's one thing we're most excited about? Absolutely. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I think it's also fair to say that it's not easy um, to break into the ski boot market. Obviously there is a lot of boots out there and there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's an expensive process. It really takes a lot of not only attention to materials and a lot of the technical aspects, but of course, there's the whole side of boot fitting and really having a lot of focus on the anatomical aspects and really understanding feet and everything that's going into standing in a ski boot as um, an athlete or just, you know, someone who enjoys skiing. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of credit there as far as like undergoing that process and kind of breaking into the market. Um, was there anything in particular that you guys wanted to accomplish that maybe wasn't already on the market or what, what were you really seeing as like your unique approach to creating a new ski boot lineup? So we can say that it's not, I mean, there are a lot of really good brands out there, so they are really doing a good job and we cannot say that we want to be, uh, far in front of them since the beginning, because it's simply not possible. Um, what we decided to do is to create something that uh, at least a little bit different because we know that feet around the world are really different one to the next one. And um, we've seen, of course, when you start a project like this, we, or everyone takes uh, reference boots and start analyzing them, understand what, what's going on, what's, what's good here, what's bad here. So we did not start from an, a white paper. Um, we decided to take parts here and there, always with the intention of making it a little bit better or trying to make it a little bit better. Um, talking about the anatomical side or, or the fitting itself, um, it's everything we can discuss about it for ages, I think. Um, therefore, there is not a really particular aspect where we focused. Uh, even if we decided to add a little bit more volume here and there, especially in the racing one, but, um, of course it was right to the performance, which is our, uh, sales boot line. 
so I was telling that we have had some, some volume here and there to help avoiding pressure points. Um, the same happened on the liner and especially in the performance liner. So again, on sales boots, uh, we decided to put some, some fitting opportunities that were not on other boots or they, or, or they were on some competitor boots similar, but not, not as good as we tried to do it. I don't know if you get what I mean. Yeah. And Alex, if you want to add something. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, you're, you know, spot on as always, Alessandra. No, it's, uh, I'd say the biggest one there, it's, it's, um, the biggest question that we've always had confronted with this is like, you know, who's making your boot? Who's making your boot? And we're like, we, we are, we're doing it, you know? So, and I think it's, it wasn't a matter of, you know, we can't find what we want on the market. It was more, let's, you know, we are product people as mentioned, and we, you know, enjoy creating that process. So between being presented with that challenge by needing, racers on boots as well um it kind of fell into place with that one and we say you know what, let's let's go let's go make our own molds let's, let's let's have this let's you know hire an italian no and uh and kind of it kind of progressed from there um was the biggest point so it's one where it's nice to actually work with the biggest kind of innovations in, in plastics and, and kind of seeing what we can do there with temperature variants or maybe with with different flex patterns um which you know, that's just really splitting hairs at that point. Um, so it's, it's one where it's, as Alessandro said, there's, there's so many good products on the, on the market right now um, that you're not necessarily going to immediately jump ahead from them. It's kind of, let's take away what we can learn. And then, then we're going to help each other kind of innovate in the, in the market space by, and, and on, on Hill by just, oh, let's, you know, how did your flex pattern different from ours? Let's, let's focus on that. Or maybe let's try this plastic and let's do this. And so it's more of a, innovation process itself that's been really highlighted i guess in this in this whole endeavor nice yeah and i mean you guys are already speaking to it a little bit but um i think we can go a little bit more into what that design and prototyping process looked like i mean it seems like that's pretty impressive turnaround given all that was going on globally with the pandemic but then also being able to actually from the origin of the idea to then bringing it to market within it sounds like a few winters um so correct me if my timeline's wrong, but that is pretty impressive. And so maybe just talk a bit more about what that sort of iterative prototyping process was. And um, aside from maybe like athlete testing, what were some of the other avenues you were taking to sort of trial these boots and then develop them into what they are now? The first mold was done in or was finished in um, October or September 2020, exactly when I started working for Kessler. So. Um, my job there was especially to fix issues and to start from a prototype to bring this to a final product. On the side, I'm working for Kessler and I'm also collaborating with the University of Bologna. Uh, they have really good um, sports lab there and they are able to perform a lot of uh, analysis on ski boots, especially. And um, we've been able to analyze some the formation aspects of the boots, and it was really interesting and useful for the development steps. Um, we've seen that some symmetrical or asymmetrical sides of the boots are really important and really, they are really changing everything. Uh, therefore, we, from the, starting from the first prototype that was done by, in collaboration by, uh, between this agency in Italy and the molds product producer 
of course, with our our uh, formations. Uh, starting from that, we fixed a lot of sides. Uh, speaking especially about thickness, materials here, materials there. We decided to change a little bit of lines. Also, aesthetical lines are important because we are putting plastics somewhere, and this is changing the behavior of the boots. And then, as Alex said, materials. Materials is really important, and we tested a lot of them, uh, starting from a really stiff one to a really soft one. I think we skied with something like 20 different plastics um, compounds uh, coming from two different families, so standard and uh, normal TPU and a particular blend of TPUs. So TPUs with some um, secret <laughs> components. <laughs> secret sauce that we're not going to... Yes. Secret sauce. <laughs> some, some, some salt and pepper. And uh, of course, um, since the beginning, it was not really clear for us which direction to take. Uh, some athletes told us it's better this one. Some others told us it's better that one. So it was a little bit of a challenge. And we decided to go with this new um, compound. And after this decision, it was not easy. Because then, uh, even if the, the path was, was clear, uh, there were a lot of different possibilities. And um, we started testing with athletes, tech athletes, so giant and slalom skiers. And uh, it's quite, they, they normally use really stick boots. And it was not really easy for us to understand if their requests were um, really, how to say, really uh, helpful for us. Because, um, I mean, some skiers need really stiff boots, but it's not for everyone. Uh, therefore, as I said, we skied with a lot of different compounds and uh, we took two, three, four, depends if we consider racing or not, um, stiffened grades. And then everything started with this key blend. Uh, regarding the sales boots, we started with normal TPU for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, is it's easier to produce. And we can also say that it's cheaper. Third is that um, the behavior of this plastic inside the shop is a little bit more easy and friendly. <laughs> I don't know if it's the correct word to, to describe this plastic, but it's quite uh, difficult to get into the boots with this key blend uh, compound. After a while, uh, we've seen that a lot of people out there were asking why we were, we were not testing this this key, this key blend on, on performance boots. Therefore, we started thinking about it. And after a while, um, we derived um, a variant of this plastic. And we decided to use this one on the stiffer sail boot, which is the K130P. And we are still using it. Um, what we are doing now, I don't know if I can tell you, but I will tell you, uh, is to, we are testing some, some variants more variants of these plastics, trying to combine the good performance and uh, the good characteristic of this plastic and the friendly part of the normal TPU. Hmm. Interesting. And I mean, I, I guess because I have a background in boot fitting, I actually find plastics interesting. I'm not sure that's true of a lot of people, but um, we can maybe talk a bit more just about, I guess, 
these compositions that you're using right now, you have your two series of boots, the R series, which is sort of the race oriented boot and the P series. Um, but then you're saying for the P series, aside from the 130, maybe it's a slightly different plastic composition than we're seeing in the other boots. That's correct. Um, K100P, K110P, K120P uh, are made by traditional TPU, so standard, standard TPU. And uh, K130P is made by a blend between traditional TPU and this key blend. This key blend still TPU, but uh, as I said, uh, inside this compound, they put some, some stabil stabilizer, I don't know if it's the correct word, some, some com components that makes this plastic a little bit more uh, or a lot more uh, constant in behavior in terms of environment, uh, time. Because what we have seen is that uh, in racing, that could be ski racing, uh, car racing, and everything, uh, the constant behavior of the um, tools that you need to race is really important and makes a big difference. Therefore, being able to uh, ski with the same feeling on the, on the boots every day during the season in each conditions on each mountains makes a huge difference. And that's the reason why we use this in racing. And um, we've seen that it works on also for, for performance when you need a stiff boot. A stiff boot. Therefore, we decided to use this one only on the K130P just because for uh, skiers who likes to ski in a 100 boot or 110 boot, it makes no sense to put this material in because it's, it's we can say it's not for everyone. Yeah, that's fair. Alex, Alex, you skied a lot with this one, so you can you can speak a little bit about it as well. Let's say what's nice about it is it's definitely a true, you know, if you say it has uh, race technology, as most people, most brands kind of uh, use, um, I would say it's it's definitely that, you know, it's definitely on the stiffer side of 130. Um, you know, as you know, as a boot fitter, it's 130 is kind of a, it's a, it's a number, but that range is very much across, across ways. Um, and so it's it's definitely it's good in my opinion in that one because it means that the performance is is kind of a little more regulated in the sense of of temperature and sun and and, and just weather in general so there's still going to be variance because it is still you know it's not going to be a, a, a rock you know it still needs to flex it's still going to have some conditions that will make it you know slightly softer and slightly stiffer but in the end it's it's we're trying to like reduce that variance into into more of a uh, kind of consolidated average, if that makes sense of of conditions. So there's not as much of oh now it's you know if it's sunny and warm we're going to get you know a softer flex, colder, cloudier, and all of a sudden it's it's a rock. It's like we're going to have we're going to try to make it rain here, where it's just like consistent performance every time. Um, and that's that's one thing that we definitely have seen for sure. Yeah, and I just want to add that it, there there is another reason why we are not using this this particular blend in the softer boots, 100, 110, and 120, is because with these blends, we cannot go below 130 or something less in terms of flex. And even if, as, as Alex said, uh, the flex is just a number, uh, we can say that we cannot go far below our 130 flex. Yeah. And um, I mean, Kesley has kind of been a bit elusive, I guess. Uh, it's called the secret mix, or as Alessandro is mentioning, it's the key blend. 
um, aside from just kind of limiting the temperature variation or sort of trying to narrow the variables that plastic can experience given the environment, is there any other um, characteristics of this blend that you think kind of stand out maybe as far as like rebound or some of the suspension that it offers and um, a little bit more about maybe what it's doing beyond just trying to be a constant um, as far as the plastic characteristics go? Yeah, we can say that the rebound is a little bit higher, so it's a bit more elastic. On the other side is, especially this information, it's especially for boot fitters. When you use a, a vice, for example, to open these, these boots with, made with these plastics, uh, it seems that they never get back in, in shape. Um, so normally we, we say to a boot fitter that they have to warm up this plastic a little bit to, to reshape them uh, when they re- release the device. Um, that's why it's really stable, it stays in place, and uh, which is quite connected with the, the rebound. And uh, we made some analysis, some tests, and it's a little bit faster getting back to the normal shape, to the unloaded shape. And that's one of the reasons why we've seen uh, that for some racer, so we are now back in racing, uh, for some racers, especially in downhill and Super G, this is not always a positive point. Uh, therefore, in the race department, we are uh, also testing some other variants of this key blend, trying to mix this, uh, this material with some other um, blends able to make this rebound a little bit more smooth and slow to, to, to help them. I see. And can um, any boots with sort of this key blend, I mean, can they be manipulated like in the same way a traditional ski boot would as far as a boot fitter's perspective? Grinding, stretching. Yeah, cool. Totally. Yes, yes, exactly the same. You just need to know that these boots is made with this plastic. Uh, just not to be um, scared when you see these boots open and it stays open. Yeah. So you just need to know it. Uh, wait a little bit, warm it up just a little bit. And that's it. Yeah, I know. I'm used to just like vicing a boot open, and then even if it looks really bad in the in the moment, it just goes right back. So that's a good note. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's. I mean, it's written in our in our guideline that don't be afraid; it goes back. All right. Well, good note for all the boot fitters out there. Um. So I, I think it's really interesting to hear more about the secret mix and uh, kind of what how that whole thing came to be and then also how you've differentiated that from sort of the race line um and sort of the high performance boots into uh more of a more traditional composition for the boots that maybe don't really warrant using something like the key blend um something like the 100 flex or 120 flex which um we're getting a sort of wide assortment of boots to test at blister uh pretty soon which i'm excited for some of which will have the key blend and some which won't so that'll be an interesting discussion that we'll follow up on but now i think we can talk a bit about maybe some of the goals for fit that you kind of integrated into the design of this boot so you know before we dive into the lineup as a whole and sort of all the distinctions between the boots what were some of the goals you had with fit obviously coming from the race side you were probably pretty focused on a very performance fit, something that would translate to, yeah, being on a race course. Yeah, uh, really quickly on the racing side, um, as you said, it's possible to 
grind them, scratch them, and so on. And talking about the liners, is a, the aim in, inside a racing book is to have a really thin liners. And if, if the shell is properly made, you don't need to have a lot of, in my, in our opinion, at least, if the shell is very well done, you don't need to add a lot of features on the liners. So, of course, you need to be able to tongue you to use the laces, and that's pretty much it. Of course, it's possible to cut the liner. This has to be done by a professional boot fitter. It's possible to cut the liner, grind the tongue you, and do, you can do all the operation you normally do on racing liners, but not more, nothing more, nothing less. Um, then, uh, talking about the performance liner, uh, regarding the performance shell, and cuff, you can perform all the operation. It's still TPU, so you can do, you can grind, you can bounce, you can stretch. Of course, the difference is the thickness of the plastic between racing and performance. So if you are stretching uh, performance boots, just pay a little more attention. Um, regarding the fitting uh, opportunities in the performance liner, uh, we decided to work a lot on it. Uh, we have these what we call key fit, um, which is a plat platform all around the ankle side and heel side, uh, where we put a Velcro pad, EVA pad on. We have two different variants um, on the performance liner and performance performance plus liner. Uh, the shape of this pad is slightly different. Uh, the thickness is different, and uh, you can change from one to the other. It's the, the platform works anyway. Um, you can move it. It's a Velcro strap, so um, a Velcro pad, so you can move it and cut it. You can even use the liner without it. Without of it, uh, I'm not using it, for example, because the my ankle is quite wide. Um, and then, of course, we are using uh, thermoforming foams on these liners, so traditional uh, process of thermoforming. And we have two options, two different options for the Performance and Performance Plus liner. The Performance Plus liner has got laces and the uh, tongue view that can be moved. The Performance liner uh, doesn't have laces, even if uh, we have eyelets on the, on the liners. So you can put laces on if you need it. Uh, while the tongue view is uh, sewed, we've seen that in the, we use the performance liner on the K100P and K110P, and we've seen that skiers that use these boots doesn't want to change a lot of things on the on the liners, especially in Europe. Uh, we know that US is a little bit different, um, especially talking about boot fitting. Uh, you, you normally used to fit a lot more the boots uh, compared to Europe. Uh, but this is the main reason why we decided not to um, put this this movable tongue on the liners because it's not really common to move it in, in on their boots on on those boots. Pardon. Um, then of course we have some other possibilities to, to customize the boots. We can move buckles, uh, letters. Um, we have our um, key active power strap. We are offering booster-like. Uh, I don't know if it's possible to call, call them booster. Anyway, it's it's, it's um, an elastic stripe. We have two options: um, stiff and soft. 
So we are we are also working on some other possibilities to to fit the boots, especially the liners. Uh, there are some things going on here. Um, we are trying to change some materials, also to go into the bio-based or more into bio-based material. And this opens a new topic. Um, of course, it's not possible to do everything with this material, but some new possibilities are coming in. And I think it's all. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting to hear about how you've kind of integrated your own platform to the liner customization. Um, so kind of making it like a you know, just interchanging little parts to help fill volume in the heel or ankle pocket, which is, of course, one of the the most important and kind of key fit zones that a lot of boot fitters probably have to think about or cut their own pads for. So that's um, kind of a, a unique approach, which I think is pretty cool to hear about. And also, um, like you touched on, sort of the K-Active, the power strap, which is cam style. So just having a few more options for customization is always a good thing. And um, maybe I think another one being being able to adjust the forward lean uh, via a spoiler. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I forgot some, some features we have. Spoilers, for example. And we are now also working on um, add-on spoiler. So something you can uh, screw on the cuff change the forward lean. Um, this is going to be presented in September, October. Uh, it's, it's now available for racers, workout racers. Uh, another really important topic that we have uh, that I forgot to mention is uh, the bootboard, especially on the racing boots. Uh, we have uh, almost flat ramp angle. Uh, we are not crazy. The reason why we did it is we've seen when we started the development stage on woodboards, we talked with, we've been talking with a lot of Peter. And what we uh, understood is that a lot of them uh, needed to find a way to change the angle, both in positive and in negative. Uh, so changing, adding grease of frame angle is quite easy because you can grind plastic. But if you have to make it a little bit more flat, you have not so many options. Therefore, we decided to put a lot of plastic in front and let boot feature remove the plastic in case they need, which is quite unique and really important, I would, I would say, uh, because especially in the race department, this is an operation that we do for each athlete. We can remove plastic, and that could be 0.5 millimeters, 1 millimeter, 2 millimeters, 3 millimeters, and so on. So we have a a bunch of possibilities, while with some harder boots, it's not so easy to find a way to change the, hair, the ramp angle. Hmm. Yeah, I think as a boot fitter, you, you're usually thinking about it as you can always add, but you can never take away. But it sounds like with your boots, you actually can take away some plastic <laughs> to help change the angle a bit. So that's, that is different. Yeah, exactly. And, and talking with, with some of these good boot fitters uh, around Europe, we understood that Removing plastic, especially in the in the heel side of the woodboard, to with the aim to make the, the woodboard a little bit more flat, it's not always helping the skier because then you are changing all the geometries inside the boot, uh, especially in a really important area, which is the ankle, where where the, the the joint is and the ankle is. Therefore, um, 
trying to find a way to keep that plastic in that area and to remove some plastic somewhere else, it was a, a good call, I would say. Awesome. Well, before we talk about the lineup of boots, is there any other uh, sort of details you want to talk about more broadly? Yeah, the last thing, uh, last but not least, uh, one of our uh, USB um, or technical features that is not uh, forgotten is the key release buckles. Uh, we have this particular uh, shape of the buckles. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. We are using a twin lever system. Um, the reason why we started the development of these buckles is we've seen, again, in racing, racing we've seen that a lot of crashes um, happens because the buckles is uh, colliding with the ice. Therefore, with the aim of reducing the thickness of the buckles, we uh, question to ourselves, how can we do it without um, compromising the, um, I'd say, the ergonomic side of the buckle? And the only solution we, we found uh, was to use a double lever. So the, the harm of the buckle is really thin and really close to the uh, shell, especially in the hand, the, the tip of the, the harm of the buckle. And we are using this second lever to, to open the buckles. Uh, and this helps a lot to avoid crashes. On the other side, this makes it really difficult on the production side. Well, that's really, yeah, a nice sacrifice to make so that people are not hitting their buckles into the snow. <laughs> that's, always a, that's always a good thing. Awesome. Well, um, so this last season, 22-23, was your first year of production and having boots available to consumers. So now you're moving into your second full season of production um, for 23-24. So I guess let's just get into it. Like maybe talk us through the lineup. You've said the R series, the race series, and then the P series, the performance series. Um, we can start with probably the race series, but maybe just hit on some of the key factors. And not only that, but um, sort of who is each model for and what are some of the, the key things you wish the consumer or the athlete would know about each each boot so the k150r boot is uh for real racer i would say um not young racer um real racer i mean uh people with a lot of muscles and able to ski quite a lot uh k130r is more for for everyone in terms of racing but not only um, I used to ski this boot every day uh, during the winter season. Um, I mean, I'm not thinner one, the thinnest one, uh, but I enjoy these boots a lot. And um, with some small fitting on my feet, I do not need a lot of works on it, and I can stay inside for for the whole day. Um, and skiing wise, is really good for me. Um, but it's also good for young racers. Um, with young, I mean, 15, 16 years old, so U18. Uh, and then we have the performance line, uh, as we mentioned before, we have the K100P, 110P, 120P, and 130P. Uh, 130P, I would say, is great for a ski instructor or uh, skiers who want to ski, who skis a lot, who skis a lot, maybe not every day, but who skis a lot. Um, Coming from racing, but a lot more comfy. 
uh, the room, of course, it's it's 100 last, so everything is different. Um, but on the other side, perform performance wise is great. Um, I also ski a lot with this one, and I like it a lot. Uh, and then we have 120, which is which was made for women in Europe, but then we've seen that out of Europe is one of the best seller and uh, not for women, not for women, uh, especially this is what Alex told us. Um, we have to add some sizes to the K120P uh, because until now we used to make it from 22 and a half to 26 and a half, but for the future we, we will change something. Uh, K110P is for, for skiers, again, looking at the performance, but, uh, maybe not anymore really young or, I don't know, uh, people who doesn't go skiing a lot. So when, when, when you use this one is for, for an everyday use again, um, and stay inside with no pain, not a lot of, work to do on it you can take it from the shop and go skiing and the same the same happens for the, the k100p again it was it was uh, introduced for women but then we decided to to at least for the communication to say that this is for for unisex model um because we've seen that a lot of skiers especially coming from young to adult cannot find their perfect boot. Therefore, they need some something similar to our uh, K100P. Um, we know and we knew it since the beginning. It's not a mess or it's not for big numbers. It's still a niche, but we knew it since the beginning and it's okay for us. For the future, so next season, we will introduce the low-volume boots. Um, same outside molds. From the, from the performance boot, different inner molds, uh, dedicated liners with a little bit more form, especially on the toe side. Um, and then we are changing some parts where we have seen that it's necessary to change something for, or to have some performance. And, um, we will have this low volume on all. So K100P, K110P, K120P, K110P. Uh, 130p low volume and what it's gonna be new as well is the mm, full sizes will be available on each size from 22 and a half to 26 and a half so 22 22 and a half and so on for k100p and k120p and uh, 24 and a half to 30 and a half for the k110p and k130 alex if i forgot something Please correct me. No, no, it's all, yeah, it's all there. You know, um, I would just add on that, yeah, I mean, this this next fall, especially you mentioned the low volume coming in there and, and kind of just adding on to the overall view of the lineup is that we came in with that 150R and 130R, being that that's a race boot, you know, pretty narrow last that obviously needs a lot more work, um, more and more customization as it is. Um, and then we, when we produced our, performance line that's where we came in with that mid volume 100 as a start just because you're ever like if you're gonna go if you need something that is that narrow and and more performance oriented it is that kind of smaller little bit market and then knowing that we were going to follow up with a low volume this year so 
it was great because they were able to, to, as we said, like push the timeline and we were able to kind of have this early launch with kind of select partners this year. And this going to this next year, we're, we're having a, you know, a bit of bigger lineup, uh, more offerings and fit and style. Um, now we'll be kind of expanding and this will be kind of our, our true kind of first year of really, really pushing it into the market. Whereas last year was just like, we're going to, you know, we have some good partners and we'll start there, get some feedback from them and then move that feedback into our, into our boots. So, um, that's where kind of the next idea with the lower volume expanding, um, size options for the 120, for example, where it's, you know, we said it's still, it's still like a 120 as we reference numbers are, you know, the flex ratings are always, you know, a little, little variance across the market, but that 120 has become a very good sweet spot for us and, and making the 130 P very much a performance model. Um, whereas that 120 has a giant sweet spot of customer base where that we found out where it's, it's people that either really like the look of the boot, um, are huge Kessley fans and they're cut, but they're still maybe not, you know, skiing at an elite level. It's like, well, you, you can get in this boot and that'll either kind of, you know, grow with you, um, or it's a boot that just fits your style, um, in the end, which I think people kind of get hung up that I need the stiffest thing, the hardest ski versus saying, well, is that going to affect your skiing or is that going to improve your skiing and, and kind of weighing that battle? So we saw that 120 is a sweet spot. The 130 there is absolutely still that performance oriented, um, skier. And it's something that we, uh, we look forward to kind of expand upon. Yeah. And just recognizing that realistically, probably not that many skiers need a 130 flex boot. Um, but I also think it's awesome that you offered the 120 and a 22.5 right out of the gate because like sometimes that's a part of the market that's overlooked a bit as far as offering something pretty stiff, like a 120 all the way down to a 22.5. So even in sort of your first year of production, that was kind of just like a, you know, not full full release of the lineup, um, you were still able to offer something for everyone, but then actually now needing to expand the 120 to offer to, or to have sizes larger for some of the guys who maybe don't need to be skiing a 130. So all, as far as the, the P lineup goes, I take it there's like removable heel and toe pieces. Um, are those like grip walk? So kind of more oriented for just the all mountain skier everyday sort of gear. Yeah, uh, especially for a K100P and K110P, uh, it was a must-have uh, this year in Europe. We've seen that all the boots standing at the same level of or same or similar level that the 100 and 110 flex uh, are coming out with the with Ripple and was no go not with the, the Ripple con. On the other side, we wanted to offer the opportunity to customers to. Uh, change their plastic plates to um, ripple on the K120P and K130P. So we decided to put these uh, the ripples in the box. Then we've seen that a really small per- percentage of, of uh, customers uh, wants to change what they find on the boots, and a lot of plastic stayed into the into the boxes for no reason. Therefore, this will change. Um, for, from next since next year, and uh, we will play plastic plates on the K120P and K130P um, without Ripple. Uh, Ripple will be available as a aftermarket uh, item, and uh, opposite will happen for the K100P and K110P. So we will put Ripple on and no um, plastic plates in the box again to 
but the aim is to save some plastic and to avoid waste. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's oriented to all mountain and um, that kind of skiing, always with the performance as reference. And um, it's also about staying. I mean, nowadays it's it's really not possible to sell boots without that kind of features. If all the other boots are offering this feature on, therefore we had to we had to even if there were a lot of discussion about it, uh, we had to accept and to and put this this grip on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just knowing that you have the option either way, um, regardless of what it comes with, so that's good. And uh, I'm just curious too because, well, I think Kessley's kind of always taken a sort of unisex approach, like to skis. And it now seems that that's transferred over into the ski boot realm. Is there anything you want to say about that as far as, I mean, you're offering true 22 fives. Um, is there any differentiation or anything that you kind of want to highlight as far as why you've taken that, that approach and why you sort of stand behind it? So we've taken this approach of unisex just because it's, it's easier for the communication and it's, it's not always, uh, or that could be that someone uh, even if they want to ski on a K120P at least year, uh, if it's told them that this is for women, then decide to ski to another boot. Therefore, we decided to communicate that it's unisex. Um, on the other side, we know that women boots has to have something different. And uh, already from the boots that will be delivered this year, uh, we are putting a short cuff on the K100P, for example, um, because we have seen that it's really important to, to offer and to help women to uh, enjoy our boots. Therefore, Shortcut is the first oper- um, operation we did, and also about fitting with it something. Um, it was not possible to change everything, uh, especially on the molds. You know, when you have to change something on the molds, it's, it takes time and a lot of money. Um, on the other side, we are now um, working on a women project. Uh, the aim is to cover, and this links us to ne- probably to ne- next topic, uh, 2425. Uh, we will present something dedicated to women. Uh, the aim is to cover, to, to extend our portfolio uh, in order to cover uh, skis that we produce. Uh, last year, October 2022, we introduced, as Kessler, uh, we introduced the Terra sub-brands or, or philosophy. So everything that will be around women in Kessler will be will come under the sub-brand uh, Terra. Therefore, um, we will have two Terra boots, two variants. And these will be, uh, even if on some side we have to accept some compromises because we cannot invest uh, everything, um, but on the other side, we are, uh, making some really good stuff dedicated to women and, uh, you will see it in, in, in fall 2023. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. And, you know, there is a lot of different ways to approach that topic. Um, and I think the biggest thing, especially at Blister that we always come back to is just clear communication and being transparent. And so that's why I had to ask. And I think it's cool to hear about the new, new projects in the works, but also to kind of know where those differences do occur if they do in the boots. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for laying that out and making it 
super clear. Um, so you just hinted at one project for 24-25. Is there anything else you guys want to maybe just touch on looking forward as you move ahead in ski boot development or um, just sort of any goals for the future that Kesley has as you become a more well-known ski boot brand? Yeah, uh, again, on, on these, uh, talking about these, these women boots, we've seen that um, performance, 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 but not all the skiers are looking for performance. There are a lot of skiers out there that just want to go skiing, enjoying the day and maybe having a good lunch or, or a good upper ski. Uh, therefore, um, yeah, the performance is not anymore the, the main topic. Um, the look is, is really important uh, or how these boots are looking. It's really important. and um the comfort especially for women it's it's a must have even if our performance performance boots are are quite comfy we are keeping an keeping an eye on on this topic and uh, the development of the women boots will, will be even more focused on it especially in terms of eating uh or insulation is this fitting side uh and this is what will happen regarding women boots um, with the same aim, so covering the ski lines that we are producing. Um, we started with a junior racing program two years ago, and we cannot accept that uh, kids or, or young skiers are racing out there, Kessler skis without Kessler boots. Therefore, we, are, we started working on this project, uh, so junior project uh, already, already some months ago, and we will present this on sales meeting at the end of the summer. Um, it will be really similar in terms of uh, design uh, to the racing boots. Racing boots, uh, of course, change those technical features that makes a racing boot a racing boot and junior racing boot. Racing boot. Therefore, different stiffness, different uh, inclination, different possibilities to fix or to align the cuff to the shell, probably different woodboard, different liners, and so on. So techni technically speaking, it will be a completely different boots, boot coming from a new series of mold, which is really important to underline. Last 95 and a half, probably. Still, it's still open, but probably. And uh, yeah, as I said, technically speaking, a bit different. So be different buckles. You will see. Well, yeah. I mean, two years into production, I'd say your lineup's already pretty comprehensive. I mean, with three uh, lasts available for next year. And then now rounding that out a bit more with being able to cater to skiers of different sizes and different weights and things like that, junior racers, and obviously having more women specific features as well. So that's pretty cool. I mean, looking at, you know, only having been at it a couple of seasons now um, to hear what's in the works. And is there anything else you guys want to touch on as far as, you know, future developments or just anything that you're doing that you're excited about? I just want to add that um, even if we are approaching new projects, uh, we are always keeping on working on the product that are on the market, on the market already. So it's not, all our projects are not, um, how to say, frozen, uh, but we are still working on it. Um, sometimes it could be to um, get better in production, some other, or next time could be to get new materials. Um, 
as I said before, could be bio-based or something that could be reused or recycled, uh, even if all our materials can be recycled. And we are, uh, for example, on the K110B, the reason why it's black is because we reuse the waste material that we produce. But a lot of things are changing under this point of view. Therefore, we have to be on the line and uh, being able to adapt our production to, yeah, to be reactive. Because everything is is changing quite quite fastly here, or all over the world, and um, that's the reason why, as I said, it's, they are not frozen products, but they are they are still open. And regarding the future, um, it's it's a bit complicated because we have seen after the COVID that, uh, for example, talking about about touring boots or hybrid boots uh, after the COVID, so 2021, 2022 was a an explosion of sales of these kind of boots. But and 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 due to this, we uh, wanted to start with this kind of project. Uh, but then we have seen that this bubble, or we have seen that it was a bubble, and now the numbers are uh, going down and down. Therefore, it's not really clear the the path that that we take. Uh, we have seen our competitors are going in a at least a couple of different directions. Um, I don't want to say that we want to copy some someone or something. Uh, of course, we are taking notes, um, and uh, at this stage, we are evaluating what to do next. Yeah, sorry, I'll just jump in there real quick. Yeah, just because it's. Um, I think you guys both made it's the same points that you already brought up, where it's you know we kind of accelerated quickly to this point of expanding the lineup, producing a lineup that we need, uh, and now we need to fine tune it based on the feedback that we've received with the first kind of small early launch that we did kind of a quieter one um, going into this bigger launch the next couple of years. So as you said, it's, I mean, it's already, it's already a pretty, you know, hands full job with um, the different lasts alone and, you know, all the race innovations kind of trickling down to performance mixed with kind of getting the junior race program going along with the women's it's one where it's like, we don't extend ourselves again too far. It's like, let's, we're here and we want to make sure we have that. So the hybrid boot, I think, was more because we all are skiers and we like, you know, we all facets of skiing. I think that was a project that we wanted to hop to just personally more than I'd say than we, we needed to. So without overextending ourselves, we were seeing, hey, let's let's focus on this one. Let's see where touring goes from here and whether it's something that we need to focus on as far as a, uh, a hybrid boot or full touring boot. And, you know, we'll look forward to the testing of that you know, maybe in the next few years. But right now, I think the focus will be fine-tuning what we have right now, um, learning from the market, learning from, from people testing it. You know, we're learning from people like you once we get the boots on your feet and uh, kind of expanding either from there. And I think that's will be the main focus the next few years at least. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And uh, yeah, it's like staying adaptable and, you know, being willing to evolve based on the feedback um, and not moving too quick and really maintaining a high high level of what you're doing. So. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, also because just to add something, just because this this product project that we were talking about, so touring that could be touring or hybrid, they are really yeah. expensive products. Uh, you need a lot of molds, a lot of different molds, even more even more molds than what we need for for racing boots or or performance boots. Uh, and it takes a lot of time to to develop and to be one hundred percent sure that everything works, because otherwise. Uh, you have a lot of uh, mechanisms working on that boots and everything has to work perfectly. Otherwise, um, you are out. Therefore, you cannot run 
run run to put something on the market and not to be ready that everything works properly. Um, I mean, it's like always, like always we do, um, I'd say, um, development and testing uh, process. But on those boots, it's a safety. The safety side is even more important. And um, if we want to start that kind of process, we have to know that at least for two, three years, we need to test, we need to spend money, of course, and uh, we have to focus 100% on those projects. And maybe it's not the perfect time to invest uh, time and money on those big, big mm-hmm. projects. Yeah. Well, it's really awesome to hear all about what you guys have been up to the last few years and kind of how it's expanding and really coming fully into the market. And so um, it's been great to hear about that. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting things uh, currently happening and then happening as we look forward the next year, more boots being added to the lineup. I know there's things happening on the ski side as well. Um, But I'm really glad that we could take the time today to really dive into all the details around Kessley Ski Boots because, um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's not an easy thing to launch into the ski boot world, but it seems like you guys have really hit on a lot of the details and been very thorough and thoughtful in the process of bringing a ski boot to market. So I'm really glad we could, you know, expand on that and look at a lot more of what you guys are up to. So thank you for taking the time to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we love, love to do it again for sure. Thanks a lot for having us and give us the opportunity to talk about Kessley Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, there's this week's edition of Gear 30. And like I promised at the start of the episode, here's my latest story for our crashes and close calls segment. For those regular listeners of Gear 30, you've probably heard a couple of stories of my ski crashes at this point. But most recently, I had a crash slash close call on my bike. I've been trying to improve my technical climbing on a mountain bike for what feels like way too long with very little improvement. But this spring, I finally started to see some progress, which has been very reassuring, especially when it comes to rolling up big rocks and features. Of course, with progress means that sometimes I try to roll up these big rocks and get scared midway and don't commit enough. Um, On several of these occasions, I have been able to catch myself or kind of abort my bike at just the right moment. But a few days ago, as I was riding by myself, I kind of panicked midway up a very large rock. And at this point, I didn't have the strength or bravery to finish the move. So I pretty quickly found myself falling backwards off the rock while also still being clipped into my bike. I fell backwards a few feet in a big tangled mess with my bike and mostly landed directly on my butt and hip. Um, So overall, I was very lucky and given kind of how big the crash was, it felt pretty smooth. I was mostly unscathed. So I would qualify this as both a close call and even though no one got to witness it, kind of a large crash. And this is, of course, why I have Blister Plus insurance coverage. And on to this week's edition of what we are celebrating. So I am celebrating continuing education because I really do love to learn and I'm always excited for the next opportunity to challenge myself. So this next week, I am headed to Estes Park for an AMGA Alpine Skills course. And in preparation for the course, I've been practicing a lot of useful skills as far as traveling in the mountains, 
Um, and this has me feeling quite humbled and learning a ton with a lot more of that to come. So I'll probably have more to report on that, but just a good reminder to constantly try and learn new information and push yourself, um, even if it sometimes is uncomfortable. That wraps up this week's episode of Gear 30. So thank you so much to Alessandro and Alex. And thanks, of course, to our amazing producer, Justin Bob. Thank you to all of you for tuning into these conversations. We really do appreciate you. And if you're enjoying them, just take a second to leave us a rating and review. All right. Thank you, everybody. Cheers.